You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. So I want to tell you, I'm excited. Like every year, I hate preaching on the Sunday. Um, but I'm going to tell you why I'm excited about it. I've been excited about it for a long time. Here's why. Uh, time change, um, 2021, uh, this Sunday, a year ago, I was in probably the worst back and neck pain of my entire life. And that's saying a lot cause I have Tourette's and have a lot of it. Um, I don't even know how I got through the message that Sunday. I don't even hardly remember it. Uh, when I got through the message and got done with it, somebody told me, uh, they said, man, you weren't breaking any ankles today, Ben, you know, because I'm all over this stage. And the truth is the grace of God is what got me through the message. Um, tell somebody that was last year. That was last year. That was last year. I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. Uh, Because I'm breaking ankles today. Camera people, I love you. All my camera people, you ain't going to have to do arm day this week, I promise. Tell your coaches, of course, y'all aren't in high school anymore. I'm telling you, I'm going to work you. Y'all's neck's going to be sore today. Online, you're going to be cross-eyed. You just thought you were going to get some rest in the bed watching service. Tell somebody, say, Ben's breaking ankles. I'm breaking ankles. I'm breaking ankles because that was last year. And uh, here's my title today. Can you say this? Say, no more reruns. No more reruns. And uh, you can go ahead and be seated because you're going to need a rest. You're going to need a rest because I was tired last year. You're going to be tired this year. Uh, Lord, um, there's just some things that we don't have to repeat. We don't have to keep repeating. We don't have to keep going through reruns. Uh, We don't have to keep doing over the same way. Lord, help us break out of that. Help us see how to apply the gospel and the good news to every part of our life, even the parts that we think there's no more hope or there's no way of doing things better. In Jesus' name, tell somebody, no more reruns. No more uh, reruns. See, here's the thing. I'm excited, y'all. Can you tell I'm excited? I'm excited. I love you guys. I'm excited. Uh, By the way, if you haven't shared the video, we're going to do ministry together. Uh, Here we go. Things happen, life happens, people happen, pain happens. But when it continues and keeps happening, it's a pattern. Not a season, not a situation, not a coincidence. It's a pattern. It's your life. And uh, we hate reruns because reruns are basically just repeats. They get old, right? Nobody watches their favorite show forever because when you can memorize the whole show, it's, you're past it. And many times our life is in rerun, but reruns because we keep repeating things that we should be past. Matter of fact, let me say this. The patterns in your life, the patterns in your life are why... The patterns in your life are why you keep repeating things that you should be past. I'm going to say that again. The patterns in your life are why you keep repeating things that you should be past. Actually, I'm going to say it again for all the people in the back online and all my people that are actually wanting to take notes and do something with this message because I've been excited about it for a while. The patterns in your life are why you keep repeating things that you should be past. Jesus said this. Then Jesus told this story 
a man planted a fig tree in his garden. It's a crazy, awesome story. And came again to see if there was any fruit on it. Read this with me. But he was always disappointed. Say repeat. Say rerun. Say it like you mean it. Say repeat. Rerun. Always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Can we say that in our whiny voice? Say, one more chance. Your kids do it, you do it too. One more. Can we just say that again? Say, one more. Just give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer like you have the last 10, 20, 50 years of your life. Nothing different. If we get figs um, next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Not really. You'll decide to repeat it again next year too. I'm just saying, tell somebody in your whiny voice, say one more. One more. I'm telling you, the Bible is this 2022 and every other year as it will ever be. You just got to open your heart and decide to do something with it. One more. I'm going to give them one more chance. I'm going to help them out one more time. I'm going to hit the snooze button one more time. I'm going to get one more credit card. I'm just going to work one more hour. And then I'll be with you and watch TV with you. Family, daughter, wife. One more. Hey, let me, let me give this relationship one more chance. Let me have this one more conversation. One becomes 10,000. The patterns in your life are why you keep repeating things that you should be past. The apostle Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is gone. The new life, Paul says, has begun. God's got new seasons for you. He has new levels for you. He has new mindsets for you. He has new habits for you. He has new um, everything. That's what growth is. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. But you don't get the new life until you decide to walk away from the old one. Tell somebody, say, no more reruns. And you can love Jesus with all your heart and you can live reruns the rest of your life loving Jesus. But you've got to decide that fig tree is getting cut down. It is no longer producing fruit, which means I have to change what I'm doing or the same thing that's going to happen that's happened the last several years with no fig trees. You've got to begin to, you got to quit repeating things that are keeping your life in reruns. Tell somebody, say no more reruns. No more Reruns. And I want to, for the rest of this message, I want to fill in some blanks. I want to make this really practical. I want it to hit your heart, but I want you to understand what you need to do with it. So I want to fill in the blanks of why you're stuck in reruns. Because every one of us, you're going to see this today. You're going to see my reruns right now. Because every season, there's some things that God is calling you to break out of. And if you don't break out of it, you stay stuck in it. Every season, God is doing some new things, and you've got to let go of some old things. Every season, every one of us. And I want you to, I want to fill in some blanks in your life because I want you to see why you're stuck in reruns. So we're going to start here. Tell somebody, say, I'm ready to be challenged. Online, I hope you're ready to be challenged because I'm going to make you go cross-eyed. Your perspective is why you're stuck in reruns. 
your perspective. I preached a wonderful woman's funeral earlier this year. Her name was Amanda. I went to school with her. She was a wonderful. Her family is still a great inspiration in this community. She was 37 years old, uh, my age, and um, uh, she fought a courageous battle with cancer. About two days before she passed, um, we came back from a, a birthday trip to Atlanta for Angie, and I spent some time with her. And I, told, I asked her this question. I said, Amanda, are you afraid or are you angry? And she was literally in the last stages of her liver. Her liver was shut down. Her body, she was terribly in terrible pain and tired. And she lifted her head to answer this question. I will never forget. She wanted to look up and look me in the eye. And she said, I'm sad that I couldn't stay longer, but I'm not afraid and I'm not angry. She was not a prisoner to her perspective. Her perspective. Let me tell you something about Amanda. Amanda... Uh, Amanda fought cancer. She pretty much knew barring a miracle. She was buying time. She has three children who are all younger than my son, youngest Garrett, than our youngest. She has a husband who is a coach at Central, a wonderful family that she was going to leave way sooner than she wanted to. But she was not a prisoner to her perspective. The three, I think she, right around the time she got diagnosed with cancer was when we moved over here. So from about 2018, uh, she fought cancer. She took cancer treatments at her place of work, Tanner, because she was a nurse, and she would leave treatments and all the other treatments and go serve the community nursing. She fought cancer during COVID, serving everybody else who had COVID while she was fighting cancer. This woman started a, a women's conference with some of her friends called Women of Radiance that I think is still going to continue strong. See, Amanda didn't stop living because of her perspective. I saw her less than two months before she passed working at Tanner. Didn't even know at the time that they were on, they pretty much couldn't do anything else. She hugged me and I saw because I was actually getting a visit. Man, I'm so glad I get to visit the hospitals again. And I grabbed her and I hugged her and you could sense the grace, peace, and presence of God even though that woman knew that she was not going to be here much longer. And that may seem impossible and superhuman to you, but it's not. It's all in your perspective. See, she lived. She didn't spend the last two years arguing over issues and burning bridges and being skeptical and cynical because everything around her was negative. She was present. She was here. She threw the first pitch at the Braves game. She didn't play around. She was here. She was present. I, at her funeral, I told everybody, I said, Amanda was here. And can that be said for you? Because yes, is it tragic? That she died? Absolutely. Doesn't make sense. That's what faith helps me with. But I'm going to tell you, what's more tragic, or at least as tragic, is people who live a long life but don't truly live because you're a prisoner to your perspective and your insecurities and your anxiety. And you can't even enjoy a hundred years on the earth because you were a prisoner to your mind. And your perspective is why your life is constantly in reruns. I'll give you, you don't, you get to choose your perspective. I'm about to show it. You, all the people in the Bible, we read the endings to their story, but they had to define their perspective way before they got to live the reality of their ending. And see, like you're like, man, I just had a bad dad. I'm an addict because I had a bad dad. My dad left me or he was a mean drunk or whatever. You know what? Sometimes 
Really, you get to decide this. Uh, the wrong example is just as effective in your life as the bad example. Can I tell you why I do not struggle with substance abuse and never have in my life? It isn't I have got the strongest addicted personality you ever meet, but I watched what it cost my daddy. I watched what it cost my brother. I watched what it cost my mother. I watched what it cost my family. And I'm going to tell you, I got scars from it. And I said, long before I went to Bible college, I decided that the only way to win that fight was not to fight it. In high school, they get eventually drink, you'll do drugs. Nope, and it ain't got nothing. Well, it's not that it's got nothing to do with Jesus. I ain't doing it to prove nothing to Jesus. I'm doing it because I don't want that. It's all in your perspective. My dad was an incredible man who was blinded to it because of substance abuse and he could never see it. And I chose, no, sir, it's all in your perspective. You're like, well, you had a bad dad. I had no mom. I had no dad. I had no mom and dad. I got something for that too. King David said, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will raise me up. Man, that man, that man's mama, you don't even know nothing about her. You don't even hear about her in the Bible. And his daddy put him, put him in the field and didn't even pay attention to him because he was so small and young. David made some mistakes, but his perspective broke him out of it because he, he had that mindset. Whatever I lack, God will raise up in me. He will provide you with fatherly examples. He will provide you with what you need at every level, but you've got to let go. Your perspective is what's got you stuck. Don't even blame other people. Start with your mind. You can start setting some boundaries when the first person you change is yourself. Long before I started defining my relationships with other people, I had to define the relationship of my own mind. Your perspective, man. It's why you're a prisoner. And I'm going to tell you, Amanda didn't live long, but she lived more than most because of her perspective. Paul was getting beat down. Beat down. He's the reason. Him dying and the, the years that he sacrificed of quality is the reason that across the world 2,000 years later we are able to experience the love of God and the gospel as what they experienced back then. And this is in some of the worst times. He says this. He said, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. See, Father, time's undefeated. Your body ain't yet. Your back today's as strong as your back's ever going to be probably. Unless you lose like 800 pounds, then they'll probably be a little bit better next year. I'm just saying. Your spirit is getting renewed. This was Paul's perspective for our light and momentary troubles. This man literally was getting beat, put in prison. Got stoned to death one time, left for dead and survived it. This man probably died with just his body looked crazy because, and he says, for our light. <laughs> Amanda could have the peace because she was like, at the end of the day, this sucks, but I believe that what I'm, my, after my last breath is going to be bigger and better than this 37 years that I wish I could get longer. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So check this out. So we, read that with me. Fix our eyes. Tell somebody, say perspective. perspective. Fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Right. 
Since what is seen is a temporary, is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Cancer is seen. Your bank account is seen. The way people treat you is seen. The circumstances around the world and the imperfections of people who were supposed to love you and have your back, but they betrayed you. That is seen. The anxiety is felt. It is seen. Paul said, I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is unseen. He chose his perspective. No matter what I go through, I tell you all the time, if I drop dead on this stage, know that everything I preached, I still believed it on my last breath. There's a reason because I think what is unseen is eternal. Paul said, I can face what is seen because what is unseen is what I'm shooting for. He does love me. He does have a plan. He will fight for me. I may not like his plan, but I got it because it's the one I need. I fix my eyes on what is unseen. What is unseen? Paul chose, you know, Paul chose his perspective when he's getting like in a terrible spot. He said this. He said, this was his perspective, y'all. Not, oh, everybody sucks. People suck. You suck. We all suck. No, he said, we are pressed down, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. That was his perspective. He chose it, and you get to choose yours. Matter of fact, Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And set your heart. Say perspective. Set your hearts on things above. He's not talking about heaven just. He's talking about an eternal mindset. Because in Judaism, they thought about looking above. Remember the psalmist says, um, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? I set my eyes to the hills. My help comes from the Lord. He says, I'm looking above the reality that I'm living in. I'm looking above what I'm dealing with in my life. I set my eyes to the hills. So Paul's not just talking about one day. Paul's talking about a higher level. See, when he says fix thine eyes on things of heaven, he's not talking about where you're going. He's talking about right now the presence of God. I'm focused that he's got a plan bigger. Everything around me doesn't make sense. My husband sucks. My wife's cheating on me. I don't know what it is for you. I'm just saying. So we fix our eye, excuse me, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I'm seated on his work, not mine. I'm seated on what he's doing, not what I'm dealing with. This is Paul's perspective. Set your minds, say perspective, above and not on earthly things. Quit setting it on the promotion. Quit setting your mind on what you want from God and set your mind on him. Because we do that, man. We're like, oh, God's going to bless us. And we talk about the blessings we've had to adjust up here. Connor and I have made an effort not just to sing about the promises of God, but to sing about God a lot. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I spent a lot of years and I got his promises. And sometimes I preach about his promises. And I've had to say, man, I just got to preach about him. It don't matter if you don't get an answer to your prayer for, the, for 17 years. He is still good. He is still good. And my job as a pastor, I'm going to step on this peppermint and crush it everywhere. Why do I? I should have used the table today. Mess up. I'm going to change the next week. Back to the table. My job as a pastor is to help give you perspective. That's my job. It's to help change your perspective if you need it. It's to help you grow in your perspective if that's what you need. Because here's the thing. Your perspective is why your relationships don't end well. Why your friendships don't last long and they're not healthy. 
Your perspective is why your financial situa- situation stays sideways, and it, it, it ain't even the amount of money you get. You get raises, it stays sideways because you don't know how to manage it because you keep, it's your perspective. It's why you're, you can't escape drama. When somebody says, I just don't like drama, I like peace, those are the people that are addicted to drama because they don't know how to get out of it because they, they, their perspective. They're used to drama. And at some point, you may have grown up in hell, may have had seven marriages of hell, but at some point, you've got to begin to make the shift in your life to not ag, initiate, instigate drama. You've got to begin to know how to live in peace before you can expect other people to give you peace. I'm just saying, it's perspective. Fix thine eyes on things above, Paul said. Perspective. Tell somebody, no more reruns. No more reruns. Other people's perspective. Oh, why you're stuck in reruns. I, a couple times a year, teach on this passage of Jesus, and I will continue to because I feel like it's one of the most practical things for our culture in our country and the church in America. I think we've missed it, so I'm going to teach on it again. Uh, Jesus was um, Jesus was teaching, coming to preach in his hometown. You know, a great athlete, college, NFL, comes back to Carrollton. What do they do? They do something. They came from Carrollton. They come back to Carrollton. They want to do something for the community because people want to come see him. Jesus, by this point in his ministry, was very popular all around the region. He comes to where he was raised, Nazareth. And what do you do when the popular preacher comes to town? You preach at your home church, right? Or, or as Jesus, he preached at his synagogue. And he amazed them, but he also threatened them. Because people who are familiar with you sometimes don't give you the affirmation you need. They actually are the ones that push back the most. And there's a reason for that, but I'll get to it. This is what happened. Jesus is preaching. This is kind of where the crap goes sideways because i got to cut it short. Um, when they heard this, him preaching, the things he was saying, the people in the synagogue were furious. This is his people, y'all. This is his graduating class. This is his parents' friends jumping up. They mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill, which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. They intended to kill him. People that are close to you sometimes who have become unhealthy for you or aren't. What happens is they're, they're not, they might not kill you physically, but they're going to kill the momentum and what God's doing in your life. That's what. So they were about to push him over a cliff. Well, you can be pushed over a cliff financially, your peace, your anxiety, your future can be sacrificed, not just your body. There's a lot of things that can die before you take your last breath. They can die in you. And so this is what happens, okay? says they intend to push him over the cliff, but he passed through the crowd, and read that with me, went on his way. I'm telling y'all, we have to learn in our culture to know that sometimes we have to do this mentally, emotionally, and sometimes geographically. Oh, he he was heartbroken. They broke his heart. But they couldn't break his perspective because their perspective isn't what was important to him. Watch this. This is, the, this is another version in Mark 6 of the same story. It says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do many miracles among them. I'm going to stop right there. I had a seminary professor who explained that this doesn't mean he couldn't. He's God. He can do what he wants. It's not that he couldn't do miracles. It's he had the wisdom and discretion that he knew he didn't need to because they weren't going to receive it. Because when you give your pearls to people that really can't receive it in that season, it's a waste. So why would you do it? It's not that he didn't have the ability to do miracles. It's that he had the wisdom to know this at the right time and he kept moving. And so what happened was, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was heartbroken at their unbelief. But then Jesus, what it did, then Jesus went from village to village teaching people. Oh, he left Nazareth, but he didn't stop doing what God had called him to do. 
And so we lose that. What will we do? See, he left. Can we just say that? Can you say he left? We love talking about hippie Jesus and and things like that. And there's some things that we are definitely rigid and judgmental in the church in America. But there's also some things we're codependent. He left. He loved them, but he left. He did not stay there emotionally or mentally or geographically. He loved them, but he left. Because God is, the Bible says God is love. So Jesus loved them, but he left. Do you know why he didn't make a show? Because we like to leave and make a stink on social media for everybody. Like you like to tell your, your husband how, what, a, what a rotten dad is and all that. You want everybody to hate the people that you leave. No, he didn't make a stink. He didn't make a show. It said he went on his way. Do you know why he did that? He wasn't a prisoner to other people's perspective. And that is why he didn't live reruns. He continued on the mission that God had called him to, just like he's got you a mission. I got a mission. He kept moving. No more reruns. Move. Better moves. This is things that we miss in the scripture. And do you know why we miss them? Because People who are familiar to you and with you can have a hold on your life because their perspective is too important to you. And here's the thing about it. People can be an expert to your weaknesses, but, excuse me, they can know your weaknesses, but that doesn't make make them expert to your strengths. People can know your defects and dysfunction, but that doesn't make them an expert to your destiny. So what happens is when people who are familiar, this was, this was Jesus' reference. These are the people that had lived with him the longest. See, Jesus had started his ministry, but he spent 30 years, much of that in Nazareth. They were familiar with him. Not just who he used to be. They probably knew some of his makeup that he still was. When people say, no, they knew who you used to be. No, there's some things that I will always fight. I will always fight many of the things that I preach to you because I don't preach things that I've overcome because that is hypocrisy. If I tell you I've overcome something, I preach things that we as humans need to grow together. No, they knew him. See, people who are familiar to you and with you tend to have a hold on your life because their perspective matters too much to you. Jesus didn't make a show. He didn't make a sting. He also didn't stick around because if you stick around people um, who, who who make you feel less, Okay, if you stick around too long, the way they see you will be the way you see yourself and you really won't grow closer to the way God sees you. You not only will begin to change how you see yourself, you will begin to stop growing towards the the way God sees you. So I have learned and I'm still learning. You're going to say this at the end of the message that I can't help what other people think about me. This is something that is freeing to me. This is the reason that I don't stay bitter like I used to. I can't help what other... Can you just say that I can't help it? You can't help it. I can't help how that people feel. I can't help how people interpret the way I preach, the way I looked at them wrong in the community. I can't help that. I can't. But I also can't let the way they see me or talk about me stop me. I can't let it steer me. And I can't stay around to find out much more about it than that. And Jesus went on his way because he knew that he wasn't going to let other people's perspective steer him away from the mission and will of God in his life.
People can say what they want about me, and you should let them say what they want and feel about you. Here's the thing. Here's my dynamic. Here's my boundary. You don't get to say it or do it at 876 Little New York Road, and you don't get to say it or do anything you want about me at 1103 North Highway 113 Catalyst Church. This is my safe place. I'm not afraid to ask a person to leave a room. I'm not afraid to leave a room if I've got to. Before I act a fool because I stayed in a room too long, I should have went on my way before I let myself get provoked and make a fool of myself. Done that many times. I got a big mouth. You can probably see that. You know what Jesus did? He went on his way. He couldn't help what they think. What they think. Whoo. Wow. Y'all know I got my start like in Heard County and all over Alabama and stuff. I'm just saying. I got my start there. They loved me back then. They loved me back then. Not anymore. They like the accent, but that's about it. Um, so like, um, where's I going? Every Sunday. He couldn't help what they thought about him, said about him, or the way they saw him. The only thing he could help is his perspective, and he knew their perspective. You care too much. And put too much, it's too important to you, other people's observation, evaluations, perspectives, opinions, diagnoses of you, and confidence in you. It's too important to you. And here's what happens in your life and why your life is in reruns. is because you live to the level of other people's definitions of you instead of God's definitions of you because their definitions of you matter too much. Matter of fact, the Bible says what a man believeth in his heart so is he. So if you let other people's definitions and opinions and all that crap of you, uh, you're going to live to that level because what a man believeth in his heart so is he. And Jesus wasn't trying to like start stuff. He just wasn't going to let stuff be started inside of him. Tell somebody to say no more reruns. No more reruns. I'm going to say that again for everybody. You will live to the level of other people's definitions of you when their definitions matter to you more than God's definitions matter to you. I know I didn't say that like I did the first time, but you get it. Tell somebody to say no more reruns. Your past is why you're stuck in reruns. Your past. So there's this awesome, I love this story in the Bible. I could have used a ton of things, but I decided to go with this one. King David, we love to pick on him, talk about him. King David made one of the worst mistakes of his life. Matter of fact, it wasn't just one mistake. It was a series of mistakes. For those of you who are newer to the Bible, King David uh, slept with a woman, that was a married woman. Uh, he was the king uh, and, uh, got the, and she was a married woman, uh, got the woman pregnant. The husband of Bathsheba, the woman he slept with, was a soldier who was out fighting a war for his king. David was his king. He was faithful, fighting, not just fighting a war. He was fighting a war that David should have been fighting with him. Okay? And so he slept with this woman, got her pregnant, got her pregnant, and um, he tried to hide it because that's what we do. We like to hide the stuff that's deep down that we don't want to head on, head on. So he calls, he, gets, he sends word, he brings back Uriah. This is the faithful man. Uriah is such a good man, such a faithful soldier to his king, David, that he will not sleep with his wife. He says, my men are out there dying. I'm not going to sleep with my wife if they can't. We'll win this war, then we'll come back and I'll sleep with her. Ruined his plan. David put him on the front lines, which meant his, one of his best soldiers was definitely going to die. It was murder, premeditated murder. But he had this friend named Nate Dog that wouldn't let him hide it. Nathan, everybody needs a Nate Dog. By the way, uh, on the perspective of other people's, you need people to challenge you. 
I just want to give that. You need people. You need a wife, a husband that challenges you. What you don't need, I'm talking about constant naysayers, naggers, and dream killers. You don't need that. Jesus cleared the room before he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He did many things in the Bible like that. Uh, but back, Nate Dogg was that guy, that friend. Everybody needs a Nate Dogg. You need a few of them in your life. Nate Dogg comes in. He's a prophet named Nathan. I like Nate Dogg because I'm a, that generation of rap music. And so Nate Dogg comes in. He says, hey, David, I got, a hypoth- I got a story. I need to give you some wisdom here. He gives this hypothetical made-up story because this man is a prophet. He has wisdom. And when people are hiding things, they like to expose everybody else's stuff and talk about how they need to be punished and what they did wrong because we like to shift the dookie away from our dookie. Call projection, you know. It's happened since the beginning of the time. It happened in the garden. It's the woman's fault. No, it's Satan's fault. We always trying to deflect. Anyway, he was hiding. And so Nathan gives him a story that is a parable of what David did. I'm not going to go into the parable, but David plays right into it. Oh, yeah, that man right there, they should kill him. He should pay back. He was mad. It says David was passionately angry. Set him right up because them friends, they know how to come around your pride and hit you right in the heart. Everybody needs a Nate dog. You need several of them, not just one. If you have yes people in your life, I feel sorry for you. Of course, you won't be here long if you, because I ain't going to be that. Here we go. 2 Samuel 12. I love Nathan. Got it. Then Nathan said to David, can we say that? Say, you are that man. Gotcha, David. I knew I had to work around that pride because I ain't doing circles with you. You did it. The Lord, the God of Israel. He's talking to the king, man. Nate could have been killed for this, but Nadal was a friend. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. God's like, man, you, you took advantage of what I gave you, David. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. No more hiding. Nathan replied, yes, but can we just read this together? Because this is the good stuff right here. Yes, the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. Can we just say that right now? Say, I don't have to die for my mistakes anymore. Can you say that like you really want to believe it? Say, I don't have to die for it anymore. Nate Dog said, oh yeah, you did it. And now that you admit it, I want you to know you don't have to die for it. You need to quit crucifying yourself and letting other people crucify you for mistakes that Jesus paid for long before you made them. You don't have to keep beating your, or beating other people up because deep down you're beating yourself up. Whatever you do, you don't have to sidestep it. Nate Dog told his friend, David, you aren't going to die for this. So you got to, and David made a terrible, terrible series of mistakes and he paid a lot of consequences for it, but it did not stop him from being one of the greatest kings to ever walk the face of the earth and what the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He had a lot of junk just like you and I do. He just once he got his heart pricked, he said, no, I can't hide it. Here it is. You don't. The hardest person to forgive is yourself. And you will beat up everybody else because deep down you're angry at yourself. Drop the nails that you've been hit using for yourself. Nathan wanted David. David didn't spend the rest of his life in his mistakes or the fu- his future trying to make up for him. You see in Psalms his grieving process. 
He was brokenhearted. Like he talks about his bones hurting. But once he got past it, once he prayed to God, Lord, create in me a clean heart, oh God, a steadfast spirit, renew uh, to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't stay there. Oh, he did it. You, could you imagine having to look in the mirror that you killed a man so faithful because of your own pride because you didn't want to be called out about it? And Nathan said, this is what you did, but you don't have to stay here. But what happens is we continue to stay in our past. I got asked this question all the time. I get asked this question. They, t- they ask me about Tourette's. What's, what's hard about Tourette's and tics? Like, obviously, it looks uncomfortable. When my tics are really bad and when I'm hurting, the hardest part is I feel like I'm fighting myself all day. That's what it is, really. It's like many seizures all day. You're fighting yourself. I'm exhausted. And I don't even, I'm not even talking about all the other stuff I do. I'm talking about just fighting my body. And here's the thing is, you may not understand Tourette's, but you do that mentally and emotionally. You beat yourself up every day, all day. You replay what could I have done, what could I not have done. And what happens is you beat yourself up. How in the world can you make better moves like we're growing to do this year at Catalyst? How can you make better decisions when your entire life you're fighting against yourself, beating yourself up all day for things that all of us could do some things better? I could have done some things better than I did this morning. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, so kick it out of your life. How in the world are you going to redeem and rebuild your life when you let your past cause you to beat yourself up? Jesus got beat for it. The Bible says that the the chastisement of our peace was put upon him. God made a spectacle of every mistake you will ever make for a reason. And it's not for you to keep living reruns, beating yourself up, trying to make up for the crap you did. And if people in your life are constantly reminding you of it, say no more. And if they continue to do it, maybe you need to think about doing what Jesus did in Nazareth. I don't know. I'm just saying. Your past, man. Your past, your past, your past. You, you need to quit reminding everybody who hurt you about their past. Because they don't have to keep dying for it every day either. And if they choose to live in it, you don't need to be the reason they choose to live in it. Move on. Move on. Because you ain't. this ain't about you. This ain't about me. What God does for you isn't about you. He is bigger than all of it, which means he's bigger than you. And our pride in our past. Get, matter of fact, let's go on to the next one because that's where I'm getting at. Uh, your pride. Mm, 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 mm. That's like 99% of my problem and yours. Pride. Your pride, your pride, your pride, your pride. Matter of fact, Proverbs says this. I love this. One quick hitter that'll, that'll diagnose all of us. It says, some people think they are doing right, but in the end it leads to death. I love the translation. It says, there's a way, there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, that leads to death. I'm not talking about we always look at death. We're talking about hell and not breathing. No, no, I'm talking about hell on earth. I'm talking about not living long before you die. I mean, let's face it. The Pharisees thought they were doing right by killing Jesus. Because pride will sneak up on you. Pride's a tricky thing. You'll swear that you're right in a situation. But really, you got pride up to your elbows. Can we just all raise double hands right there just to admit that we all got it? Because you got it. There's a way that seems right to men. They thought they were Pride. Pride is why you're not open to new things. See, Paul said the old life is gone. The new life has begun. Pride is why you're not open to new things. Pride is why you're scared of change, even good change. All my people, I know we don't like change. It is sinful for you to be scared of change and to push back on change. 
sinful because you want to stay in that old life because you're used to it, but you don't break out of that. I'm telling you, you're never going to get the new. But it's pride. Tell somebody, say, just it's pride. It's why you don't receive input and criticism. I'm talking to myself right now. Pride, not because you're right, because you're prideful. Yeah, pitiful and pathetic because you're prideful. Can we just raise both hands again, please? Your pride is what keeps your life in reruns. Your pride. It's not, your, it's not the people around you. It's not, it's not what happened to you as a child. It's not. It's your pride. And it's sneaky because you're like, well, they did this and they did that. Why are you comparing with other? That's pride. Comparing what they did and why they should apologize for this. How about this? I struggle with this. How about apologize without saying but? Pride. Mm. It's why you are not completely honest with your spouse. You tell them just enough of the truth that they can handle because of pride. <laughs> it's why you hate people who hurt you is because of pride. Because the Bible says when you truly aren't living in pride that mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm just saying it doesn't say pride triumphs over judgment. It says mercy. And Jesus said those who have been given much mercy give much mercy. Every one of us have been given much mercy. Your pride has kept you stuck in reruns and you are not open to new things. You push it back. You push away good people and good opportunities because of pride. You push away change. You don't like people telling you what you need to do because you don't like to change. It's pride. And you may... You can live reruns in your brain when you live in pride. You can have all the money, all the, the a great husband, a great wife, a great family, not even know it, see it, enjoy it. Tell somebody, say pride. Matter of fact, can we just put our hands up in air, please? Again? Yeah. Reruns. Reruns, reruns, reruns. Also, I'm talking to all my old people first, then I'll pick up my young people. I hate that statement. Um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's a bunch of baloney. If an old dog is open to new tricks, God's got some new things for him. Because if you're breathing, you gotta, if you got a pulse, you got a purpose and a promise, and God's got a promise. And an old dog, if you're going to be open to new tricks, God's got some new things for you. And young people, I'm coming at you right now because I'm still in your category. I'm getting, there, getting out of there quick, but I'm still there. You need to listen to older people. Take it from somebody who still fights when I see somebody that is not building or being what I'm called to build or be. You need to listen to older people because no matter how wrong they are in the areas that y'all disagree, they got something you don't got because you can only get this by age. Experience. And if you will listen to what they're saying you will begin to actually save yourself from some things that you could learn from them instead of learning the hard way. You maybe wouldn't have to get that divorce if you'd have listened and not told the older one that they're just irrelevant and got nothing to say. I will go out with pastors now that I truly, if you went to what the, their church or my, it's totally different. What's helped me receive from them is knowing they still got something from me because a wise person can learn from anybody. Chew the watermelon, spit out the seeds, and if you don't, tell somebody says pride. Pride, 100%. There's a way that seems right to man. And the end leads to death. By the way, you're like, what does death mean? Death is the opposite of what God offers. That's what that word means. Don't, don't, death isn't just one thing. It's everything. Don't think about death of your body. What about your spirit? What about your marriage? What about your kids, your relationship with your kids? See, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the abundance. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Jesus said, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life 
freely. Jesus offers life. From the beginning of the Garden of Eden, God offered them life. And they chose to let the enemy undermine the life that God offered to them. And Jesus came to show us that you got... He came to say, I've got life. It ain't done. Just because you screwed it up, it ain't done. But So when you see death, when it says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. Faith without works is what? Dead. The reason you can have all the faith, you don't do anything about it, it's death, is because the opposite, the counterfeit of what God wants to give you, God wants to give you life. So anything that isn't life to the fullest, to the overflow, is not of God. That's why the Bible says uh, the spirit, he does not come in a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What does life look like? I don't know. Love, power, and a sound mind. But what we do is we have this just pride and we push away things because we don't like it, but we need it. Matter of fact, here it is. Y'all, all my people, because we, we do just like Adam and Eve. We, we do the leaves. We cover up. They covered up their private parts because they realized they were naked. We cover up our mistakes because we got wounded. Verse 13, I love it, man. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. When, when you go to bed at night, when the coping mechanisms are over... When they're done, when you go to bed, when whatever you're covering up, it remains. The, 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 the grief, the wounds, the insecurities, it remains. Truth remains, but the truth will set you free. Oh, it may hurt like hell, but it'll set you free. Because Jesus promised that. And I'm banking my life on him, not, not you, not me. Tell somebody, say, pride. Can we just do that one more time? Every one of us. I'm as guilty as you. You're going to find out here in a minute. Your past, your pride, lastly, your reference. Your reference. Your reference. Man, I wish you could see that God's plan for you is the same it was for Abraham. No matter how spectacular, it's the same plan. The Lord said to Abram, he said, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. He said, leave everything that you thought you were going to build, be, and where you were going to build and be it. Because I'm going to do something new in your life, Abraham. And if and when you leave, he says this, I will make you a great nation out of one man. And I will bless you. And I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will place a curse on those who harm you. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. He says to Abraham, I'm going to make a spectacle out of your story. I'm doing something new in the world. And he was. This was a setup to Jesus. He says, but you got to leave. Catalyst, Abraham had to leave what he knew to get the new. Everything. He had no idea what was outside of his Chaldean culture. Had to leave it all. No reference. No familiarity. See, we put our faith in the familiar. You'll stay in a bad marriage because you don't think you can do better. You'll stay at a bad job because you'll think, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to be hungry and I'm scared I can't pay the bills. But you know what? 40 years from now, you're going to realize how insignificant that is. But what Abraham did is he went 
And God said, when he went, he said, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to be, because God doesn't do it just for you. He does it for everybody. God wants to use the growth in your life to speak to your kids' future. Your grandkids will be hearing about you one day. Even if you're 77 years old, your grandkids can hear the story of their grandmother finding Jesus and seeking the Lord and being healed from bitterness and anger and all the patterns that you decided to break out of your reference. See, you may have not asked for it. See, Abraham didn't ask to leave child. God just said leave you didn't ask for the tragedy in your life you didn't ask for the financial situation that your husband or your wife let you you in you didn't ask to be laid off last year and you still have no job but what God said is if you will leave what you know I'm going to do something new but if you stay there Abraham we don't even know about Abraham if he stays in his familiar in his reference Oh, I can go more than just Abraham. Um, We can do a... How about the woman with the issue of blood? She was sick. This woman had a sickness that nobody could touch her because if they did, they would be ceremonially unclean just like she was. She wasn't even allowed to go to the outer courts of the temple because she was sick for what is it, 18 years, 12 years? I can't remember. I don't do numbers well. And when she grabbed the hem of his garment... And in the crowd, she just had to fight the crowd. And she grabbed the hymn and, and Jesus said, power went out from under me, under me. Do you remember what she said? She said, I just, I just thought that if I could touch the hem of his garment, she had a clue what it would look like. She just said, I just got to get to him. That's all. I just got to get to him. I don't know what you came in here dealing with, but if you just get to him. Ruth lost everything. Ruth wasn't even a Jew. And she is in the bloodline of Jesus. She lost everything and she left Moab. She had to leave Moab. We're talking about at a time you don't get to drive a bus to Judah. She had to go. She had to walk. Boaz, her husband, who they would produce the grandfather of the great King David, who would also be in the lineage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Boaz doesn't happen in Moab. Boaz happens in Judah. She had to leave her reference. All she knew, and she lost everything in her reference. She had to leave it. Or she would have kept repeating the same junk over and over. Boaz don't happen in Moab. You have so much faith in what you're familiar with, which is why you fight for what you're familiar with. You fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And today, tell somebody to say no more reruns. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.